Hello and welcome to episode 23 of the Caged In podcast. Um, last week was super fun with the lovely Joe Mel. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back and check it out. We talked about Trapped in Paradise and it was lots and lots of fun i thoroughly enjoyed myself and it's totally nuts to me that i was chatting to someone about a film i'd never seen who lives on the other side of the world and that's like something that's crazy about podcasting and the times we live in really uh that that, that can happen i think sometimes you need to just take a step back and like i'd say well i've sound a bit preachy here but yeah I, I i sometimes do it like to just really appreciate the fact that we can do stuff like that i feel like it's so easy to take take it for granted and it sounds amazing and yeah it was a really fun experience and um i'm going to i've been talking to phil from those movie guys and um I'm going to get him on the podcast and what they both don't know is yet is at some point I'll have them both on together which will be fun it'll be the first double guest episode but it'll be super super fun um but enough about the past what are we doing in the f- present what we'll be doing in the future because obviously the present is right now and we're talking about a film I'm about to watch and that film is obviously when you're listening to this I won't I won't constantly be in a state of whenever you listen to it we'll be watching it but in my present I'm just about to watch Kiss of Death from 1995 um I know you shouldn't I I know I have those rules I have two rules um and for those of you who don't know them, there are no expectations, so I know nothing about these films. This uh, brings me on to the point I was going to make, and I'll get back to it, and no distractions, so I turn off my phone. I don't learn, no no outside influences, simple as that. Um, but yeah, as I said, with like, yeah, no expectations, I shouldn't have them going into this film, but the title is fucking amazing, Kiss of Death. Um... And just seeing the like the cover to this, it's definitely the type of film I would watch because it looks it looks fucking dark. It looks a bit moody. Um, yeah, I'm just hoping it's gonna be a good one. Uh, we've had a few. There's been some good ones like so far. This could be another Red Rock West, another like '90s undiscovered gem that people don't talk about, but. There's only one way I'm going to find out, and that is to get raging with Cage. Feels like I've been awake for days, watching films starring Nicolas Cage. Could be shit or it could be fun, Valley Girl face off an army of one. Deadpool, Con Air, Lord of War, The Wicker Man trespassing so many more. Know how it starts, I don't know how it ends. The first turn of solo, then it's me and some friends. No distractions, no expectations. Over the weeks, hear my frustrations. Guess the podcast is about to begin. I'm your host, Petros Vasilibus, and I'm caged in. So, we have now watched Kiss of Death. So, a little bit about this film before I get into what the fuck happens. Um... It is based on a screenplay from 1947. There is actually a film from that exact same year of the same name. Um, Yeah, so this is essentially a remake. I don't know why it says based on a screenplay. Um, It's a fucking remake, all right? Yeah, I guess guess that's the lingo they use for when something is a remake. So, um, yeah, so it stars um, David Caruso who um, I had no idea who the fuck he was. I'd never seen him before. Um, it wasn't until I was right near the end, uh, my girlfriend walked in and said, oh, that's the bloke from CSI Miami. Never watched an episode of CSI Miami. So any of you CSI Miami fans out there, this is your main man, 
I think he's like, yeah, he might, he must be one of the leads. Um, I, I don't fucking know. <laughs> and obviously, um, yeah, this film opens with like a kind of train going over a junkyard, a lot of industrial sounding music, uh, fucking terrible soundtrack. <laughs> and then like lots of rock guitars, uh, really serious sounding stuff. And, um, all the names like are coming up. Who's in it? Uh, and we got some fucking big hitters in this. Like, we've got Samuel Jackson, Stanley Tucci, Ving Rhames. Um, and then one thing that worried me slightly was it said, and Nicolas Cage. I thought potentially that meant he was just a bit part player in this film. But my worries were subsided. Um... And it kind of reminded me of, um, I think it's Tom Wilkinson, the actor, has mentioned on the Kermode and Mayo um, film review podcast on BBC Five Live that you ask for the and. It's almost like an honour to have the and in a film. Uh, it's like like an esteemed honor to have so yeah so this is the first time i've ever seen a film um that nicholas cage is credited with an and so maybe this is the start of his well i know for a fact this is definitely gonna be a start of an uptick in his career because i know how well regarded um films from this point on get to be so um yeah so once, obviously, the fear had set in at this point that Nick Cage wasn't going to be in this film a lot. And not just did it say, um, and Nicolas Cage. It said, and Nicolas Cage as Little Junior. And um, that name just made me laugh. Uh, and the character is definitely made me laugh because he's a fucking... This is a Cage character through and through. Um, yeah, a lot of it reminded me of Eddie from Deadfall and kind of looked like um, his dress sense in this, kind of like a proto Conair <laughs> Nicolas Cage with a kind of uh, horrible goatee, but we'll get into that, don't worry. Um, so yeah, the film opens, you get this scene of a junkyard, it's literally just a really crap credit sequence, um, and then we see Helen Hunt in her apartment feeding a baby, and her husband comes in, who is the lead character in this film of Jimmy, played by your boy CSI Miami, uh, David Caruso. And they're talking about how they're supposed to be going to a meeting that evening. And it might not... He's like, oh, I can't really do it. I've got work in the morning. Uh, can't make the meeting. You're going to have to go alone. You're going to have to go alone. I'll look after the baby. Send the babysitter home. Um, so all's fine and dandy. He's chilling with the baby. Laying on the sofa. Watching TV. Having a good old time. When the door knocks. And it is um, Michael Rappaport. Hopefully, hopefully, I fucking pronounce that name right. But um, it's your boy um, from, I believe he's in an episode of Friends and he plays Phoebe's cop boyfriend who, like, Chandler and Joey and Ross think all get, like, fucking boners over because he's, he's a cool, cool cop. Um, so he's at the door and he is frantic. He's like, I need you. I need you to do a job. Like, I know, I know you're out of this game. Like, you're my blood cousin. You've really got to do this. These guys are going to kill me if I don't do this job for them. We need a driver. You've got to come. You've got to come now. Jimmy is reluctant. He's like, I'm out of that life. I've been to prison. I want to put that behind me. It's not going to happen. Um, but his arm is well and truly twisted. And he goes for the job. Um turns up at the junkyard which i believe is the junkyard 
or yeah, like a car lot that we had seen at the beginning in the opening sequence, and we get to meet little Junior. And he is fucking insane. <laughs> His outfit, for one, he's wearing white jeans, some kind of look like white Air Jordans with a cap-sleeved white shirt. As I said earlier, he's got this like horrible goatee. Um, his hair looks patchy. It's real short, like cut real short. And um, yeah, he's just got these weird ticks about him. Like he has an inhaler, so he suffers from asthma. Um, and he's just—he's straight away. He's grabbing uh, Michael Rapport's character by the throat, whose name is Ronnie. He's got Ronnie by the throat. Jimmy's got his heart arm. He's like, "Get off me!" Uh, he just comes in with a fucking bang, and uh, <laughs> it's great. Um, I kind of got a bit, a bit confused about the next bit. Um, but they kind of this old guy in the in the cab of like um. Those trucks they use to transport other cars. I know they've probably got a real name, but I can't fucking think of it for the life of me. Uh, but he's in there, he's drunk. Like, I guess that's why they needed Jimmy to drive, because this guy's a fucking liability and has been boozing on the job. Um, they head off, everything looks like it's going fine and dandy. Um, they pull up to a docks and sirens are going off. The police are there. Shit has hit. The fan, a big time. Um, everyone's getting arrested left, right, and centre. Jimmy's in the cab. He's got the fucking drunk guy next to him who keeps going on about where the where's my money? Where's my money? He doesn't fucking know. He's trying to suppress him. He's trying to shut him up. Uh, the police are obviously asking Jimmy to get. No, obviously, not obviously, but they're asking Jimmy to get out of the cab. The policeman who is confronting him is our main uh, well our main man because our main man is obviously Nicolas Cage but the boy Samuel L. Jackson the legend Sammy J himself um, and then the old fucking crazy drunk driver who's in a passenger seat shoots Jimmy through the hand into Sammy J's face, and it is fucking brutal. Like, what a way to fucking get someone. And I thought, fuck, that's it. Like, Samuel Jackson's dead. Like, like I know this is 1994, like, like, I thought, I thought he's still a bigger name than that. I thought, oh, fuck, he's that's it, he's done in. Um, obviously, Jimmy is arrested. Um, he can't really, he can't really get away now. He's got a hole through the hand, and the bullet has gone into um, a policeman's face. I'm not sure if any like DNA would be passed through that. I'm not sure how that the science of that would work, but I'm sure something would happen, and he would be quite easily tracked down. Um, in hospital, we see. Samuel Jackson is still alive. He's on the hospital, he's on like a hospital gurney next to Jimmy and um, Samuel Jackson's partner, a character whose name you never find out. We find out that um, Samuel Jackson's character name is Detective Calvin Hart. But yeah, he has this kind of arsehole partner who asks Jimmy if he's okay and grabs his hand and, like, presses on the bullet wound, which is a pretty fucking dick move. Um, Then the DA comes in, who's played by the one and only Stanley Tucci, who gives a fucking outstanding performance in this film. And he kind of plays scummy, like asshole very fucking well uh he did it really well in it could happen to you a couple of films back and he fucking nailed it in this um he's just obviously trying to get the information he just wants to be like who the fuck did this what's going on um yeah he's drilling jimmy about like like who did this 
give me the names. And he's like saying, I don't know, some guy, some guy just called me. I've, I've got no idea. And he's, he just, he's really pernickety and he's going at him. He's like, that's not good enough. And obviously you would know who's, who set up this job. You're chatting shit, basically. Uh, for being the stoic, lovely gentleman that he is and not grassing on any of the guys involved, um, Jimmy gets a very important, special moment with his lawyer because things are not going the way that he would hope. He would obviously hope that he would be scot-free, but that's not going to happen, is it? That's not how these things work. Um, and he says, yeah, he's like the mob lawyer. He's like, yeah, yeah, good man, good man. Like, you didn't you didn't rat on anyone. Um, you're probably going to get, like, two years grand last night. Like, it'll be fine, like, supposed to serve five, get two. Everything will be fine. Um, and he says, like, well, what about, what about my family? Like... Rightly so. He's like, what's going to happen to them? I'm, I'm the key breadwinner in the family. Um, and he's like, don't worry, we, we, we look after them. Uh, we cut to a scene of Ronnie giving um, Helen Hunt's character, Bev, uh, $150 for the week. And her response is, what, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this? Um, he's like, I'm, I'm looking after you. Like, I'm just coming out of my own money. Like, I'm a good guy. Are you shit? <laughs> um, you fucking got a husband arrested, you bellend. Uh, and he offers her a job at his garage. Um, and then we get, like, Bev visiting Jimmy in prison. It's very heartfelt. It's very... She, like, misses him, says the daughter misses him. It's very, 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 very sad. Um, and then we get Bev working at the garage. Uh, and... A guy comes in to try and sell Ronnie a car that is definitely stolen and there's a heated debate. Like, he's obviously... Ronnie's acting like he doesn't know what you're talking about. Stolen cars, like, that's not our bag. I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, are you a fucking cop? The guy's like, no, no, of course I'm not a cop. And then they beat the shit out of him. He He smashes a bottle over his head. The guy flees, and then he smashes in two windows of his car. Um, I felt escalated very quickly. I feel that Ronnie uh, may have some anger management issues uh, that he should get addressed, and that maybe he would not be in such like a so have such a life of crime if he just. Just chilled out a bit, man. Just put on some incense, listen, listen to some nice music. Um, yeah, and just maybe do some yoga or something. Just get, just get relaxed, mate. Don't, don't, don't. Yeah, just don't be smashing bottles over people's heads willy nilly. Because when you really want to show a message, you've got to do something really fucking drastic and like. I don't know. Yeah, no, no, no. Your fucking limits, mate. All right, just, just simmer the fuck down. Um, and then he says to Bev, "Right, that's it. Get out of here. Um, I'm going to take you home." He does not take her home. Uh, he takes her to a strip club, and this is the second time we get to see Little Junior. And what a fucking scene this is. Um, let me paint the... It's, it's a really tacky strip club. It's, it almost looks it's identical to the strip club from Deadfall, which is like, blew my mind even more, because uh, something about these two films, um, I felt really similar. Uh, not as... This is nowhere near as... This is technically probably a better film, because Deadfall was fucking mental. <laughs> but... Um, little Junior is bench-pressing a stripper. And when we join him... So, again, he's in all white. He's laying on the stage, and he is bench-pressing a stripper. And at this point, uh, I think the number is at, like, 28. And then he calls out to his dad. Dad, old Junior, big Junior, yeah... Well, that's fucking crazy. Uh, yeah, Big Junior, he says to him, 
I'm going for 40. I'm the fucking man. Uh, he kind of looks at him. His dad looks at him like, you're a fucking, you're a wild cannon, but you're my son. So I've got to fucking love you. <laughs> and um, Ronnie and Mr. Senior Little, yeah, Little Senior, I don't and it's big senior. I think no, big junior. Yeah, junior senior, weren't they? Fucking <laughs> yeah, I'm fucking losing my mind here, guys. Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, they're talking Ronnie and big junior. That's the one. Are talking about how he is supposed to be giving Bev four hundred dollars a week. When we like this, as if we didn't think Ronnie was a bit of a dickhead anyway. Uh, this cements it even more, and he's like. Yeah, 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 I've given her more than that, and I'm, like, giving her a job at the garage. You did give her a job at the garage, but you've been pocketing a lot. Of, you've been pocketing some of that money, you bellend. Uh, yeah, fuck you, Ronnie. Um, and then, I was a bit hazy. I'm not sure if I, like, was too busy writing notes here. But all of a sudden, um, Bev wakes up at Ronnie's place. Ronnie's in the shower, and it's the next morning, and I had no idea what the fuck had happened. Had they slept? Like, I'm not sure if the film was trying to like say they had slept together or like something untoward had happened, or maybe like Ronnie had drugged her. So like, she seemed really fucking disorientated because um, she has a call. I'm not sure if she has a mobile. Does she have a mobile or call? I don't. I don't even know. It's '95. Um. But she gets a call from Rosie, the babysitter, and is like, uh, fuck, I'm coming home straight away. Um, jumps into Ronnie's car, hits the road. Her driving is atrocious. Uh, when she's backing out of the drive, nearly smashes into a couple of cars. And not even halfway down that street, she has a head-on collision with a fucking massive truck and bang that's it Bev is out of the picture she's dead which is fucking crazy (laughs) like I did not see that coming at all like she did not see that van coming straight towards her Um, then we get a scene of Bev's funeral um and Jimmy is talking to Rosie about that morning. He says, "Like, uh, what time did what time did my wife leave? Like, because he had also asked Ronnie, like, why why was she at your place? Like, how did this happen? He was very suspicious. Gets the truth out of um, Rosie that she'd never come home the night before, and he fucking flips his lid at." Ronnie, and he's like, you fucking cocksucker, piece of shit. Um, I'm paraphrasing that. I don't know what the exact words are, but something along those lines. Um, And then Jimmy goes to the DA and says, I'm willing to give it all up. I'm willing to fucking sell some dickheads down the river. Um, and he gives everyone up for certain jobs and says, like, you better book me as well for these because otherwise I'm going to look like a snitch. And um, But he leaves out one person when ratting. And the person he leaves out is Ronnie. And I twigged this second why he did that. And it's a fucking genius move. Uh, yeah. Jimmy tells the mob boss, like, the mob lawyer, like, that someone must have ratted, and he's like, it's obviously not me. And then the lawyer tells Mr... Oh, fucking little scene... No, Big Lit... Big Junior, sorry, Big Junior. I'm fucking really struggling with this name in this episode. Fuck. Uh, And then... They twig that there must be one rat, the one person who is not implicated in any of these crimes, and that is Ronnie. Ronnie the fucking rat. And little Junior and Bing Rames, his character, called Omar, and two goons who never get names, 
go to visit Ronnie. And um, Little Junior and the two of these guys are in like like Rain Max uh, in a room. And he says, listen to this song. It's got something that's very poignant that you should listen to. And the quote is, um, time has come for everyone to clean up their own yard before knocking on their neighbour's door. And he's like, did you hear that? And Ronnie's response is, well, the bass is a little high. Don't think that was the fucking answer Little Junior was looking for. And then he fucking beats the shit and kills Ronnie to the sound of House of Pain's Jump Around. It's fucking amazing. (laughs) Um, And yeah, as it says here in my notes, like when he takes off, he's still all in white. I totally forgot to mention that one of the terms of Jimmy ratting on all the guys was he would get to spend a day with his daughter. He'd get a day out of prison. He'd get to go visit his daughter, uh, who is now living at the grandmother's, which is um, Jimmy's mother-in-law's house. And they grant him that wish. And the person... I'm telling you this because it kind of, yeah, it fucking... The next scene would mean nothing without it. <laughs> or would just seem like it's out of the blue. This film isn't that fucking mental. I know a lot of these films have been that stuff just happens out of the fucking blue. But this is not one of those moments. Um, the person to pick him up is Calvin, old Sammy J, and his no-named partner. We'll never get to know what his name is. Obviously, it doesn't fucking matter he probably says about three things in the whole fucking film. Um, he takes Jimmy out to an abandoned plot, like supposed to be taking him to visit his daughter, and then just beats him up and gives him a few fucking smacks around the face. And um, explains, ex- yeah, explains to him why um, why he's annoyed. He's obviously been shot through the face, but I kind of thought the thing, like, he he obviously tried to, did not shoot you. And he had taken the bullet through the hand. So if his hand had not taken some of that bullet, potentially he could have he would have been shot in the face. So I don't see what his problem is. But uh, he's just he's an angry man. Um Sam Jackson's known for that and he yeah, he's an angry man in this. Uh but after that he gets to go visit his daughter. And it's lovely. Uh, Rosie's there for some reason. I'm not really sure why. Um, And then we get a flash forward to three years later. Jimmy is near the end of his prison sentence. We see Jimmy's daughter and Rosie have come to visit him in prison. His daughter is obviously older, as is Rosie. They show this by kind of... She's now got... Curly hair. That's how they and and a bit more makeup on instead of the. I'm not sure how old she was supposed to be when she lived downstairs because there's something. So, yeah, yeah, um, um, yeah. They they're kind of flirting. Let's just bear in mind his wife has been dead for for three years and this was their old babysitter. Uh, it's a little weird. Um, Jimmy is called to the chapel where Sammy J, his partner, and the DA are there. Ask him about Little Junior. They ask him, what do you know about him? Uh, We've got Big Junior. He's in hospital. He's on his last legs. We feel like Little Junior's going to take over the crime family and shit's going to get fucking crazy because we know that he is a loose cannon. Uh, We know this is the audience. Obviously, the DA and that know that he's a loose cannon as well, probably because he's always in all fucking white and has that crazy goatee. Um, They want him to just rat out on... What, yeah, what more can you write out on? Come on, give us more. Give us more. We want we want it all. And um, Jimmy has an impassioned speech and asks the DA, like, are you a man of honour? Because 
If so, I will do one last thing for you. I will get you, little Junior, and then I'm out. You can leave me to be with my family. And I'm I'm gone. I'm gone. I'm gone. I'm gone. I'm out, I'm out of this. Shit. Um, three weeks later, he is out of prison and instantly marries Rosie. Um which they don't really explain anything about their relationship. I just thought she was the neighbour downstairs who babysat his daughter, but evidently not. Evidently, they have been having some weird relationship. Um, Upon leaving the registry office, Sammy J is in a car outside and... Jimmy clocks him, and it's like, the heat is on. We want some shit. We want you to do some shit for us. Um, Then we get a little junior, kind of, I can only explain as pogo dancing whilst crying. It's very fucking bizarre. It's a very, very cage-like thing to do. Um, Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Um... His father is fucking dead. And he is not happy about it. And uh, meanwhile, Jimmy is fitted with a wire. And he is then asked about a guy called Omar. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You said I was going after little Junior. Why the fuck are you asking me about this Omar guy? The web just keeps getting more deceitful. Like, it, the layers upon layers of shit they want him to do. It's, he's, but he is in their pocket because he has nowhere else to turn. Um, and he joins up with some of Little Junior's guys and they go out robbing cars. Um, which slightly, like, scenes of this, like, of them robbing cars reminded me of Gone in 60 Seconds, a film we have coming up. In a fair in a couple of months' time, so yeah, he goes to rob a car at one point, and there is a big old fucking dog in there, and it's a big old laugh. Everyone's like, ha, ha, ha. "I don't like dogs," and he's just like, "Ah, fuck it, we won't steal that car now." Like, there's a dog in there. It's, it ain't happening. <laughs> and him and a couple of the guys he's gone out robbing with, you know, like lovely blokes. Um, they go to Baby Cakes, which is the name of the strip club, which is um, just, I find that quite funny. It's called Baby Cakes. Uh, probably because when I was younger, there was the, um, I'm not sure what the name of the fucking pop band was, but yeah, something called Baby Cakes. goes like this. In Baby Cakes... Uh, little Junior spots Jimmy and comes over for a little chat. He talks about the fact that his dad is dead. He talks about that Jimmy's wife is dead and asks him a very peculiar question of what do you think's worse, having a dead wife or a dead dad? And uh, Jimmy has a very diplomatic answer and he's like, oh, it all depends on the relationship you have with that person. Possibly the best answer he could give him because Little Junior is a fucking... Loose cannon. Um, and then, yeah, I found it really weird that Little Junior had never heard the saying, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. He gets Jimmy to repeat it, and then he's like, oh, yeah, I really fucking like I really like that saying. It's like, what? He's definitely, he's definitely in his 30s, at least, and he's never heard that saying before. The guy's a fucking lunatic. Um, one of the things I've written down here about him is there's just his character. Is there's too many weird ticks about him? There's too many weird eccentricities. I don't know. Just give him one thing. Give him the asthma, or like he's like he's a bit crazy. There's just way too much going on. And I felt like the, the asthma thing is was a bit weak because it I yeah I don't know especially when it comes to play a part in the film and it's just a bit like like did that have to be a ting uh, 
Um, and then there is a guy, like, there was a little... It doesn't push the plot forward in any way. It was just a very fun little scene of a guy, um, not a guy grabbing up a stripper. That's not the fun part about this scene. But yeah, a guy grabs up a stripper and Junior goes real fucking intense on him, like tells him to put his hand on the table. And he says, them girls are working really hard dancing and you just want to fucking grab them like a piece of meat, you shit. Um, you get Jimmy to light a cigarette and you think, fuck, like... He's going to burn his hand like some, some evil shit's going down. He's going to send a message out to the club like you can't be grabbing my girls willy-nilly and not get away with it. Um, but he does one fucking better, which makes you think the guy has got a sense of humour. But then, again, I don't think he does. Um, there's a look on his face whilst he got this guy doing what I'm about to explain that is just uh, a, a look of pure evil in his eyes that um, just says, like, oh, no, he's devoid of all all humour and um, any empathy and sympathy. He's just um, an evil piece of white-wearing shit goatee. Fuck. Uh, he gets the guy to dance on the stage in his pants, and I... <laughs> I thought this was a nice little bit of light relief in, uh, I don't know, yeah, and almost, almost, sort of glint in his eye that Junior would be a nice guy, but, uh, nah, nah, he's not. Um, <laughs> Jimmy asks about a guy, uh, I think he may ask about Omar, I'm not sure, it's another moment, like, I might have been writing notes and not read, but Jimmy gets suspicious that, Little Junior is suspicious about him, so he goes to the toilet and takes off the wire. Rightly so, because at that moment, Little Junior and his guys come in, pat him down, asking him, like, why he's asking about that? What the, what the fuck are you doing? Um, and then he says, that's it. Let's go for a ride. And um, whilst they're having this car journey... He explains, Little Junior explains how he loves acronyms. So he loves like TGIF, um, just any any acronyms. I'm sure he'd love, I'm sure he'd fucking love 2017. It'd be all over LOL. It'd be all over LMFAO. Um, be all over Ruffle. And I'm trying to really fucking old, like trying to, uh, right now, I'm sure a lot of you are, SMH, am I right? Uh, but he says he has an acronym for himself, which is B-A-D. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He bad. Um, and his acronym stands for Balls Attitude Direction. And, yeah, he's like, he's like you got to get an acronym of your own. you got to figure out an acronym, like what it's about um they go and meet omar who is fucking coked up he goes on this weird speech about how he'll take all the cars they got apart from a red explorer because he does not like the color red it is his bad luck color and he also gets massively paranoid about Jimmy being there. He's like, no new fucking guys. I'm not, I'm not happy about this. Who the fuck is this guy? Um, Jimmy meets up with the cops and explains to them that he had to get rid of his wire. They're like, fuck's sake. Like, that could have been some info that we could have used. But he's like, but at least you have got little Junior on side and he is he's starting to trust you um he then goes home and eventually tells rosie about the wire and then they have a little lay down and a loving longing talk and he romantically describes how he used to steal cars and treat his dead wife to things and how he got a rush from it but how all that now is just stupid and he just wants to get on with his life and move on get away um then we move on to a section i've labeled jimmy wears wire too 
very, very pithy and good little section. Uh, it's, yeah, it's not a section of the film, obviously. Not a, it's not going to be a regular feature on the podcast called Jimmy Wears Wire 2, because that would be... People would be like, what the fuck are you going on about? Um, you're, you're an idiot. If nah, you're not already thinking that already. Um, so they he's back out robbing cars. Uh, they... Swap IDs on a car. I'm sure this is not relevant details because uh, this doesn't really... But they swap the IDs on a car. They torch the old one. He just wants to drive off. The guys he's with just showing that they're crazy. They're real fucking crazy guys. Uh, they want to watch the car explode. They're real. They're all like, oh, fucking, yeah, let's, well, let's watch it explode. We're, we're crazy. We're psychos. <laughs> um, and then where does where does their night always end off? They're back to baby cakes. Um, I've actually written down <laughs> in my notes. It's like a fucking Grand Theft Auto game. Like it's kind of like the missions of like I don't know. Yeah, go out, rob some cars, come back to the club, speak to the boss. Like it just kind of these bits of baby cakes just remind me of like cutscenes in GTA of when yeah. Yeah, like especially Vice City when you go to the Malibu Club. Um, but yeah, that's that's definitely a little side note. Um, and Little Junior talks like takes Jimmy for another ride. They go to meet Omar. Um, he's like, go over, talk to Omar. Like, he's got some more cars for him. And then uh, whilst Jimmy is talking to Omar, Little Junior appears. And fucking shoots Omar in the head with a little like his little sign off, his little one liner at the end of it is he throws a bag of coke at him and goes, Have some coke on me. Uh, not as good as some classics like especially Arnold Schwarzenegger's like Let Off Some Steam Bennett at the end of Commando, which is fucking great if you've never seen that film fucking watch that it's on netflix at the moment uh anyone in the uk i'm not sure about the us but yeah definitely on uk netflix fucking get on commando if you've never seen that what you're doing with your life um <laughs> and jimmy asks little junior like what the fuck are you doing you have lost the plot and he says you fuck with the bulls you get the horns which um i'm not sure if this is intentional but i'm pretty sure that line is um, I'm not sure verbatim if it says if he says fuck, but it's definitely very close to the line from the Breakfast Club. I'm not sure if this is a he was quoting someone else potentially the uh, the original. I'm probably sure it wasn't the original Kiss of Death, but um, yeah, I don't know. Nicolas Cage's character is is um. As I said, there's too much for me go, going on with him. Like, and then he explains another, like on their drive back, he explains another weird quirk he has that he doesn't like the taste of metal in his mouth. Um, so he only eats with plastic knives and forks, which I felt was a very, very, very strange little thing to, um, to like, yeah, like it's too much stuff. Going, he's got this weird love for acronyms. He's he's got the inhaler. He's always dressed in white. He's he now loves. He tries to do all these weird one-liners, and he's now saying about how he doesn't like the taste of metal in his mouth. But maybe all of this is setting up for stuff later on in the film. Who knows? I know because I've watched it. You might know if you've watched it. But you're going to find out anyway, so let's carry on. Um, Omar's guys come and grab Jimmy when he is about to call the police um, on the phone, like from a payphone, and uh, they grab his wire off him, bundle him in the back of a car, and he is driven to a warehouse. I'm pretty sure the, I could, couldn't, couldn't really see properly because... Uh, there was no lingering shot, but I think the car was driven by Samuel Jackson. 
and in the warehouse you find out that omar was a federal agent so this is not just a local thing anymore this is not just the state or the county this is now a federal problem because jimmy was there when little junior shot a federal agent and the cops are going ape shit it's kind of this whole thing of like the federal guys are like oh we want to push it this way and then the local guys are like no we want to do it our way um and the cops go to arrest little junior because they think bang We've got him now. He shot one of our guys in the motherfucking face. And rightly so, Jimmy is whisked off into um, police custody, like secure. Like he's put into a safe house. His family are there with him because obviously now little Junior is going to know that he had something to do with it. Um, I have the lawyer talking slick to the. Uh, federal agents about how he wants to know if the if Omar had first shot clearance he also wants to know if he he wants to know all the details about the operation he literally wants to shut it down because if he does that he can kind of get it thrown out that he well he knows that he can get it thrown out because the agents don't want to give away any information that they have on an ongoing investigation he's playing he knows he knows what he's doing he's one of those Saul Goodman He's for the criminals kind of guy. Um, and then we see a scene of, at a safe house, um, Karina, who is Jimmy's daughter, is on a swing, and two ladies who I recognised one of them as being the lady who's being bench-pressed by Little Junior in the strip club, um, are looking for directions. I was doing quotation marks when I said looking for directions because when they depart the security guy realizes that Karina is gone and havoc ensues Jimmy and the cops and Rosie hunt for Karina and he finds her teddy in the woods he's like fuck like she could be dead and then turns a corner or like over a tree stump and there she is but with the acronym B-A-D on her forehead um i found it pretty weird that there's no actual mention about this afterwards there's no mention about the fact that she had that on her head i wasn't sure whether he just saw it on her head and it, or, or if it was actually there like i don't i felt that was like, like a gaping plot hole in this well, plot hole but like it kind of felt like it needed a bit more need, yeah it needed a bit more mm, mention it needed something it needed like a a bit bigger deal made of it than it was actually given um the federal agents are saying they're going to drop the case because obviously they don't want to give away um any of the agents who are stuck still working on it the da says he wants to pursue and the feds try and buy him out they say what can we do for you to fucking let this one slide and he says i'll do it i'll stop for a federal judgeship that motherfucker you slime bag stanley Uh, his actual name in this film is um da frank zizoli zioli yeah what a great name uh little junior is released because obviously they had nothing to pin him on because they can't press charges because they're all corrupt they're all motherfuckers and that means that jimmy is fucking high and dry those scumbags um the first words that little junior asks when he is released is where's where's jimmy i want to like it's fucking going down um Jimmy drops off his daughter and Rosie to um, his mother-in-law's, I think, or his mum's. I'm not sure. Like, I guess it's the mother-in-law from earlier who would be, or if it's now, if it's Rosie's mum. That's not really explained, but um, a grandma of some sort. And uh, Jimmy heads back to the city. He's fucking angry. 
first thing he does is buys a gun, he heads to his old apartment, and fucking B.A.D. written on his fucking door. Like, I'm not sure if uh, Little Junior is a massive uh, Michael Jackson fan. Um, is a little uh, thing that a lot of you probably won't know about me, but I actually have uh, bad, as in written on the Michael Jackson album cover, tattooed on my arm. Um, if you want to see a photo of that, uh, you can either scroll back through my personal Instagram account, which you'll easily be able to find through um, the Caged In um, Instagram, or just ask me and I'll post a photo on the Caged In Instagram or Facebook or Twitter. If you want it, you got it, guys. I'm, I'm a fucking idiot, what can I say? <laughs> and um, Calvin turns up when he's outside his apartment and they go in together and he takes the gun off him and he explains literally how shit has fucking hit the fan and Jimmy's like, so I've gone through all this and you're just going to drop me. I'm fucking, you're going to fuck me, basically. You're going to bend me over. You've tried to bend me over throughout all this anyway and you're going to bend me over further and Fuck me straight in the arse because that's what you do. You get what you want. You don't care about the little man. He's just getting fucked in the arse. <laughs> Sorry, I just went a bit too fucking far on that. Fuck it. <laughs> Fuck it, guys. Uh, um, and he begs, he begs Calvin for help. He's like, really need to fucking get out of this shit. Um, and he says he, he kind of they formulate they must have formulated a plan because the next day Calvin is with the DA and Jimmy lurks out from behind a staircase outside to a hot dog stand where the DA is getting some lunch I assume and he says to him I thought you were a fucking man of honour you've um you've swindled me here and um. He calls him out on the deal and stuff like that. And he kind of says, like, I'm a great DA. I'm a great prosecutor, but I'll make an even better judge. Like, he's kind of admitting that he's fucking sold all this. He sold this case out just so he can better his own career. Because he's a scumbag. (laughs) And he says, like, what about the stuff we had on tape? Like, we've we've got him on tape, like, shooting, like, um... Omar, like, is that not enough? And he's kind of like, nah, not fuck off. <laughs> um, so that evening, Jimmy got a plan, and he goes to Baby Cakes, and uh, I'm got to say about Baby Cakes, the strip club, not the song, uh, which played you a clip of earlier. Uh, Baby Cakes, the strip club, has the worst fucking music. I'm not sure if it's a sign of the mid-90s, but it's kind of like just pumping Euro techno. I half expected to hear some fucking scooter, to be honest. Um, And he just goes in straight away and is like, confronts Junior, like, how the fuck are you at a prison? And, um... But, oh, that's it. Before he goes in, Jimmy says to Calvin on the phone, because he's supposed to meet him at a Chinese restaurant, which they always met up when he was doing the wire thing. He says, how how, how quickly can you get from the Chinese restaurant to Baby Cakes? like, 10 minutes. Um, so, whilst he's confronting Finger, you see that Calvin is caught in traffic. And it's like, shit, maybe like his plan isn't going to go down how he expected, because part of his plan was for Calvin to arrive. Um... So he's confronting Junior. Fucking tensions are high. Uh, there's goons around him. And fucking Jimmy pulls a gun on all of them. He's got it up to uh, Junior. He's pointing at the goons. He gets them all to where he wants them to be. And then tries to shove the gun in Junior's mouth. And says, Fuck, you hate the taste of metal. And he's like, oh, Yeah, I knew that was going to fucking come round to play a part of it and junior had said in prison they had like had he told them that as well because he could not get plastic knives and forks what a fucking weirdo what do they do they said to him you're not allowed to look at acronyms either or or i don't know 
we're going to tell you why you're in Halo and you've got only wear black clothes because we know you love wearing white, you freak. Um, I don't know wearing all white doesn't make you a freak, guys. Um, it's just just all white all the time. It's weird. Uh, um, they start fighting and Junior then starts having like an asthma attack. He's breathing. His inhaler is on the floor, kicked out of the way. Um, and then Jimmy smashes a fucking glass on Junior's head. Uh, Calvin shows up, arrests Junior, and it turns out that the whole time Jimmy had a fucking wire on because Calvin asked him, like, what the fuck are you doing? And he's like, I had a big plan all along, don't worry. And then we get a scene the next day, or I assume it's the next day, or a few days later, Jimmy takes the tape to the DA and says, listen to this, like, on this tape, he says, remember what I did to Omar? Uh, Little Junior says, remember what I did to Omar? Well, you're next. He says, that's still not good enough, like... So what he doesn't doesn't specifically say like I shot Omar and he's like oh if you don't like that tape what about this one um, and then he plays him a tape of the conversation they had had the other day where he had literally said I sold everyone out so I could have a judgeship and then he's put the DA in a real tricky situation and um, it's kind of like yeah but. Can't just make this disappear. Like I'm gonna have to drudge this up, and he's like, "Well, that is your problem, and my safety is your problem. Um, I'm going to disappear away from this. I'm going to take my family and go. This is on you now. You do the right thing, otherwise the papers would love to hear about you being a sly, conniving, self-righteous." fucking prick and he just walks off and (laughs) it's quite funny um behind a pillar calvin is just there sees jimmy gives him a thumbs up jimmy gets in a car drives off to a pumping soundtrack during the credits and that is it for this film um did i enjoy this film I did in parts. Um, it's not as it's not as good as I wanted it to be uh, for a, for a title like Kiss of Death. Um, I, I don't know. I expected a bit more. Obviously, Cage's performance in this, as much as I fucking hated the character of Little Junior, was another great character, and you could very much see that Hollywood was seeing him for the crazy genius that he is. Um, I can see that this isn't like definitely like i'd never heard of this film ever before doing this podcast um and yeah but you can see how this springboarded what is to come next in his career because it is definitely a crazy wacky performance but still it felt like the character had too much going on said it multiple times throughout this episode but yeah he definitely had way too much going on and um i don't everyone else in the film yeah like our main man david caruso um again like quite a forgettable lead really very reminiscent of um oh i forgot his name from deadfall but the lead in that like i said this film vaguely reminded me of that for some reason i had a feel about it and yeah but sam jackson as always stand-up job stanley tucci slimy as always um helen hunt not enough of a great actress just not enough of a ving rames played a coked up fucking madman amazingly well um i want to say a massive shout out to the uh actor who played the lawyer fucking you could feel the like you could feel the grease of that guy through the screen and yeah what a fucking slime bag um so 
You have heard what I had to say about this film. Now let's have a little old look at what all those people have to say online. And in real time, I'm going to get up the scores that are for this film. So... The scores we have are IMDB, we have Rotten Tomatoes, and I think I have a Roger Ebert score that is on um, Wikipedia, of all places. I'm going to start with the Roger Ebert score, because I can, it's my podcast. (laughs) Um, Oh. Fuck it, I think I forgot got them all here. <laughs> uh, so, the Roger Ebert score for this was 2 out of 4 stars. So, very middling. Um, and he said he considered that Little Junior was overwritten. But he did, he did praise Nicolas Cage's performance, calling Cage a real movie actor who... Plays the role with the style and bravado. Um, Yeah. Like, there's a lot of praise for Cage in this film. There's uh, the Washington Post wrote that Cage dominates the camera, stealing scenes by the sheer intensity of his intermittable staginess and makes the film worth seeing. I definitely agree with these words. Um... Rotten Tomatoes, the score from those guys is 68%. Um, Slightly higher, obviously. Roger Ebert's score would probably work out at a 50%. And IMDB is 5.9. So, again, slightly lower than the Rotten Tomatoes score. So, like, an average score for this film would probably be about 60%. Um... I'm I'm not sure if I enjoyed it that much. Like I definitely found like later on in the film I enjoyed it a lot more. Like I don't know. Ah fucking no, actually I do. I'm trying it. I probably did. I probably need to sit with this film a bit more, but yeah, no. I did enjoy it. Um I dunno. I just feel like from now on I'm I kind of I fucking broke one of my rules. I had expectations going into it. I don't know why I said in the intro I kind of wanted it to be like another Red Rock West. And I feel like, for me, so far, that's been kind of a high point in this podcast. Um, I was really taken aback by that film. I keep fucking going on about it in episodes. But yeah, check out Red Rock West. Uh, it's great. Um, but uh, that is it for Kiss of Death. Uh, it's... Now to talk about what we got coming up next week. Next week we will be talking about leaving Las Vegas. Um, I don't think this is a sequel to Honeymoon in Vegas, but I might, I might just treat it that way anyway. <laughs> but um, I know for a fact that this film, just because you can't, you can't escape it. Um, is a film that Nicolas Cage won the Oscar for Best Actor and straight-to-DVD films have been fucking dining out on that ever since. So, um, I might, with this episode, if I get a guest, I might do a um, a fun thing with it because I have heard that he plays an alcoholic. Um, so, I will drink every time he drinks on on film um that is if i have a guest if i do it on my own i probably won't do that because that would be quite sad and depressing um and yeah um but sorry i shouldn't have said that because if i if i'm if i'm on my own um i might i don't know i might i might do it anyway fuck it like really get into the mind frame of a of an alcoholic but it probably won't if i'm on my own to be honest (laughs) and as always um do your bit on social media and itunes and all that obviously the social medias are 
at Caged in Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Um, have a chat with me on those guys. Um, that's how I started talking to those movie guys, and Joe ended up on the podcast. If any other podcasters listen to this, and um, yeah, just wanna just wanna talk shop about fucking podcasting and other. Oh, I just want to talk about films. I like other films. I don't just watch Nicolas Cage films. I watch a lot of other shit. Uh, but yeah, if you guys want to just drop me a line or anything like that, just want to chat shit. Uh, tell me what you guys thought about any of these films as well. If you have seen this film, just just drop me a line. Say uh, what you thought about it. Um, if you do, I can always talk about what you guys had to say in the intros of the next episode and stuff like that. Or if I get enough discussion, I might start dropping little bonus episodes where I kind of talk about what you guys had to say about it and kind of have a, almost like, yeah, just kind of go over and re, may, maybe reassess points that I had made, like kind of seeing other people's opinions and stuff like that. Because obviously these podcasts are just first opinions from an idiot. Um, people who have watched these films and maybe lived with them and let them sink in a bit more may have different opinions to me and that's great uh i'm always up for having my mind changed on stuff uh i am an ever evolving human being uh yeah so and rate review and subscribe on itunes that would be great uh yeah five star reviews uh you can write whatever you want you can say hey petrath you're a fucking idiot um but just always remember five stars uh that would be yeah that'd be great um we have like guests coming up um yeah i should i should have some fun ones uh a lot of them are still in the works of like who i'm gonna get so i'm gonna keep that quite quiet as soon as they are locked in uh i will definitely definitely announce them they will either be on the podcast or on social media so yeah just keep up to date with everything guys and as always, I've been your host, Petros Patsilovus. I have been caged in. You have been rad. Bye. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Copal Connections, A Town Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.